Amen. Praise God. Give it up for the worship team. Good job, worship team. Give it up for those people watching online today. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to our broadcast service. We're so excited about what God is doing. Thank you for coming out. I know it's difficult when it's spring forward, and here in the south it was 20 degrees, so it kind of caught somebody by... Uh, Caught us by surprise, right? Uh, it's cold out there. And so we're thank you for coming out. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're in the sixth part of a seven-part series called I Am. Seven times in John did Jesus say, I am. I am the bread of life. I am, I am, I am. I'm the good shepherd. I am. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the sixth time he says, I am, and it's a little more teachy today. We could maybe preach a little bit. We might. depends on how the Lord allows us. It's a good teaching message because uh, we're an hour ahead, so we're a little bit draggy today. And although, again, I'm glad that you, uh, you came out, and some might be watching online. Some will be watching online this week, but uh, it's, it, he, Jesus is the I am. And we need to know that, we need to understand that, we need to gravitate to that, because then he shows us what he is. In this particular uh, scenario in John's gospel, uh, Jesus is about within the last week or so of departing earth, okay? So he's going to die, he's going to be buried, he's going to raise again, and then he's going to ascend, okay? And so he knows that, of course, he's all God and all man, so he's also going to feel that. So he knows the triumph, but he also knows the pain. And in knowing that, he's got to set up his disciples for victory or for success. And that's the great thing about a legacy or a lineage. You try to make it better for those that come after you. This is what Jesus is doing. And in doing that, he wants to teach them. And so we're going to read the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, the first seven verses, then we'll pray, and I'll give you some insight as to how the Lord showed me this should go. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and you will take, uh, I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Let's stop there for a second. Kurt, can we go back to that third verse? That word take there is harpazio, or harpazo, which depending on how you look at it in the Greek, I say harpazio. It's where John Darby got his word rapture back in 1857. And so we look at the rapture, and the rapture was was prevalent back in the last 40 or 50 years of the church as if it would be a silent rapture or if the rapture would take place and others would be left behind. Uh, that may happen. Uh, probably theologically, it doesn't seem reasonable uh, because the four, 13 different ways and 13 different times is this word take in the scriptures used as rapture and it's used 13 different ways. And so uh, we shouldn't identify a scripture and pull it out and build a doctrine around it, we should take scriptures that confirm and conform with each other and confirm each other, and then build our doctrine or theology that way. Now, what I'm saying is this, those disciples did get harpazioed, raptured out, just as, as so have your friends, your family members who were Christ followers and believers in Jesus, they've got raptured out as well. And so where we probably... 
could happen. I'm not going to say it's not. Probably the, the, the possibility of us collectively getting raptured out uh, is, is smaller than us getting personally raptured out. In other words, if you go home to be with Jesus, that same take, Harpazio, he's taking you out at that time. There's a rapture that takes place. Now, do we believe in the second coming? Yes, unequivocally. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to come back a second time, and he's going to be riding a white horse, and we're all going to see it, and we're all going to know it. Amen? And so that's what we live for, but the fact that we may get raptured, harpazioed out, taken out, like this scripture says, ahead of time, is quite possible. I know uh, great, great men of God, outstanding, wise men of God who know the scriptures probably, well, not probably, way, way, way better than I do, that preached the rapture, and they were raptured out, but it was individually speaking. It was a harpazio uh, and this take here. So I just want to clarify that because there's been conflict in the scriptures. People would say, well, did the rapture take place? If Jesus took his disciples out right there, that's not the word rapture. It's harpazio. It's where Darby got the word rapture. It's not where Jesus used the word rapture. He used harpazio. I'm going to come and get you. In other words, when it's your time, Jesus is going to come and get you. You just need to be ready. Amen? All right, let's move on to verse number four. And you know the way to where I am going. Now, it's really important that we understand that. Jesus says, you know the way. Now, Thomas says, wait a second, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? We're not even sure where you're going. Jesus said to him, I am the way. There, there you go. There's number six then. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father but through and by the Son. So thank you for making a way for us. Lord, you are so awesome. You are so good. Lord, open our hearts now. Those are hurting, those that don't know the way, those that are those that are just striving to, Lord, be as good as they can, but they're running in place because they need to turn everything over to you. Help us, Lord, to comprehend that you are truly the way today. In Jesus' name, we pray. And the church said, "Amen." All right. So, uh, what a what a wonderful season we're living in. What a wonderful time. We'll close out the IM series next week. We'll go right into the Easter season. But there's a couple things that humanity strives for. Humans strive for direction. They want to know they want to know, hey, where, where are we going? What are we doing? Organizations, businesses. So, uh, they, want to, they want to know, hey, where are we going? They have a mission statement or a vision statement. I want to know how we're going to get there. What's our, what's our vision? What's our goal? There's a, a direction there, okay? Uh, people want to know what's real. Well, hey, we're having conversation. Are you? Uh, we would say blowing smoke. You know, are you? Are you? Are you making things right, or are you making things real? Are you telling me what I want to hear? Or are you telling me what I need to hear? So they want real conversation. And then, that last but not least, they want things that will last forever. I, I I'd read an article. I don't know if it's true. You can't believe everything that you read. But back in World War II, they made batteries that would never die. So I just replaced a battery in a car not too long ago. Well, I want that 19. I want that 1942 battery that never dies. Is it? I, why is that? Well, I want things that last forever. We want relationships that last forever. We want bank accounts that last forever. We want we want humanity to last forever. We are sad when people before us go home. 
We're very sad. We want that relationship to last forever. And so Jesus, in these things that we seek, we, when we seek things that are direction, he says, I'm the way. When we seek things that are real, he says, I'm the truth. When we seek things that are want well, to last forever, he says, I am the life. And so we're going to examine them today shortly, uh, briefly, and, and really look at what he's saying for us. Because again, the disciples are going to be handed this gospel, the way to, treat, to teach to preach, to live a life to other people so that they too will come into the kingdom of God. And Jesus is not the least bit worried. He's trained these guys for the last three or maybe three and a half years, and now he's going to hand it off to them. So here you go. And so first of all, let's look at he's the way. Jesus said, I am the way. But in regarding to that, uh, we let's go to John 14 and 5. Thomas gives us three statements in John as well. Uh, John kind of picks on Thomas a little bit, if you ask me, and each one line up to what Jesus is talking about. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Stop there for a second. Jesus didn't say where he was going. He just said, I'll show you the way where I'm going. And he says, how can we know the way? And this is a great question because now we've looked at it for the last 2,000 years, and Jesus is saying, hey, wait a second, I am the way. Understand, I am the way. This is critical. In the early church, they would say that they were following the way. All right? It's not that they were following Christ. In fact, they were Christites, which is one of the, one of the Caesars would uh, give them uh, little titles. And it was actually a derogatory term. Are right, those little Christites, I'm going to kill every single one of them. That's what Caesar would say. I'm going to go get those little Christ sites. In fact, in terminology, uh, we can put the way back up there. Uh, terminology changes, all right, as we get uh, through life. And so now it's kind of like, well, you're a Christian, or we're a Christian country, or we're post-Christian, or we're that. See, that's why I would like to use the term Christ followers. And I'll explain that in just a moment, but it's, it's important. And so uh, when my parents were in uh, high school, uh, my mother and father went to Omaha South High School, the same high school that Janie and I uh, met at in Omaha, Nebraska, South High. Uh, the word dope meant an uh, unlearned person, someone who uh, didn't have a lot of intellect. When Janie and I were in high school, the word dope was something you smoked in the bathroom. Not you. No, not me. Neither one of us. Uh, but when you walked in the bathroom, you automatically got high. <laughs> just, on the, just on the secondhand smoke. As, uh, I think South High coined the phrase, light them if you got them. Um, but now I understand the word dope is like cool or lit or I don't know, something, some slang. Like uh, my kids have tried to train me, Papa, you can't say smoke dope anymore. Why? Well, because it's dope is like cool. All right, well, it was dope when I was growing up. <laughs> and there was a reason they called it dope. You're stupid if you smoked it. But that's neither. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. Words change in meaning just as Christites turn, turned into Christians and Christians almost turn into an elitist group, and this is why we need to make sure that we're Christ followers. Jesus simply said, I'm the way, come and follow me. 
It's a following of who Jesus is. And I, I said this in the first service, wrote some notes down yesterday. I always, uh, uh, I always work on my message until I like it. In other words, I have a, an outline, I have a core, I have a, an idea, I know where I'm going, but then it may be Saturday before I fine-tune everything. And as I'm walking through the message on Friday and Saturday in my personal time, I realized that not everybody makes Jesus the way. Even Christians, some Christians make Jesus a formula. And can I say this? Jesus is not a formula. In other words, we, we might do, you know, we might get a book three, three steps to our best life or four steps to uh, deliverance or five steps to our, to our best now or whatever. And we, make, we relegate Jesus to just some, some steps. Now, I, I do think there's places in the, in the Word of God, in the Bible, that will allow us and afford us the opportunity like Joshua, if you read this Word and meditate on this Word daily, then you shall be successful and your life will be prosperous. I think that's a promise of God. It's not a step. When we look at Jesus and we say, okay, Jesus, you're not my formula. You are my way. It's easier to follow. Sometimes when we follow people, like we'll follow someone in a car. Maybe we'll follow our daughter Jessica to a, a sporting event, or we'll follow one of our, our daughter Jill around Omaha, or we'll follow one of the boys. And, and Janie said, how, hey, how did we get there? And I'll say, I don't know. I was just following. Anybody ever be like that? Or maybe you allow the, uh, the phone, Siri or somebody, just to give you directions. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, how did we get here? I'm not sure. I just was listening. I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. He doesn't see, we in our human intellect, we want to know where we're going. Jesus says, wait, just follow me. He says it in Luke 5, the 11th verse, just follow me. If you will just follow me, everything will be okay. But if we make Jesus a formula, then what happens is we become disappointed with God because the formula doesn't work out. And if the formula doesn't work out and I become disappointed in God, it's my fault, not God's, because Jesus says, just follow me. Just become, I am the way. I'm that access point that will get you to where you need to go. I have the access keys to heaven that can get you back to heaven or get you into heaven. I have the access to health. I have the access to healing. I have the access to victory. I have the access to, to, moral, uh, to moral righteousness by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am the way. See, and if we don't know that Jesus is the way, but we accept Jesus as a formula, and if that formula doesn't work, every recipe over the years gets changed just a little bit, doesn't it? It's like, well, what is a pinch of salt anyways? Just tell me if it's a teaspoon, or tell me if it's a third of a teaspoon, or just, just a pinch. Well, chefs know that. Cooks know that, but a pinch in, uh, in larger hands versus smaller hands might be something a little bit different. The formula starts to change if we're looking at formula. And now sometimes the recipe becomes better. Janie's taken the recipes of my mother and her mother and combined them many a times, and now they're her recipes because she's changed them a little bit. And it's good food. It's good kishki for lunch today. None of you know what kishki is. I'm super jacked. I'm super jacked. You can only buy it in Omaha, Nebraska. South Omaha, 15th and Q, it's Stoisich. We bought eight rings. I had to take a loan out to buy it. It's a Polish sausage, but don't say it's Polish sausage. It's not. It's a Polish sausage 
incredible. Can't wait. What, what does that matter? It doesn't. It just, it was in my mind, and I just, I'm super pumped about lunch. Sometimes the recipe changes because the recipe is a formula. Jesus changes not. It doesn't change yesterday, today, or tomorrow. This is why we need to follow Jesus. If we follow Jesus, then we just are walking in obedience. Now, there's, again, there's scripture. We'll talk about it in just a second. There's scripture that we can certainly pull out, and we can make our own, and we can make it as a core verse or an anchor verse because it speaks to us, but Jesus is the way. And there's, uh, there's people that will look at different situations. There's, there, you know, there, you know, you've tried to find the North Star, or you try to find the Eastern Sunrise or the Sunset. You try to find different things in nature that will help you point directionally or to a certain way. We have street signs, one-way stop signs. We have uh, name signs. In, in Hickory, right here, you can drive down whatever that street is there, Geithner Boulevard, and you can run across, I think it's five different Sixth Street, or five different, it's Fifth Street, it's Fifth Street Place, it's Fifth Street Place Circle, it's Fifth Street Place North Circle Lane Wayne, it's all kind of stuff, it's just like there can only be one Fifth Street, not in Hickory, North Carolina, there's five, and so they need directionals, okay? Uh, true story, we were in Dallas, Texas one time, and Marcus asked his phone uh, where we were going somewhere, and he said, uh, whatever her name was, I need to know directions, and he said, the, the person, you know, Siri or whatever, said, I don't know, Marcus, I've been wondering that myself. <laughs> Absolute true story. <laughs> we're looking for direction, but Jesus is the way. We're looking for direction, but Jesus is always the way. So I would say, listen, if you don't know Jesus, and like, again, early first century church followers, they would say we're following the way. They were talking about a person. They were talking about Christ. They were not talking about a direction because if we're following Jesus, some people might even think you're going the wrong way, but if you're following Jesus, you're right in line with where he needs you to be. Amen? All right, number two. Uh, yeah, give it up for the Lord. You could do that. He's, he's, he's worthy. He's worthy. Number two, the truth. So he's the way, right? And now he's the truth. In fact, Thomas has another statement. It's found in John 20 and 25. He says, so the other disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, to place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into the side, I will never believe. In other words, Thomas needed truth. He said, wait a second, I understand what you guys are saying, but I don't believe it. I understand the way, but I don't believe it. I need some truth. And so just like the way, the opposite of way is a formula, the opposite of truth is perception. And you know if you've heard the, the statement, perception becomes in reality. If our perception is reality and our reality is not based on truth, then we're living a lie. And this is, this is the part that probably hurts the most in Christianity or Christ followers. It's because we start, to, uh, we start to predict or we start to connive. We start to manipulate the scriptures a little bit to make it look like it works for us. 
maybe it's man's law. Maybe it's not God's. Maybe it's an organizational uh, statement. Maybe it's not God's. But, but Jesus is truth. In fact, in Psalms 119, it says the word is truth. So we know, the tr- we know that Jesus is the way, but we also know Jesus is the word, and the word is truth. Now, I said it a minute ago, and I'll say it again. I think you can pick and choose some scriptures. I think everybody needs an anchor verse, but you need to be careful that when you just pull something out of context for scripture and you make it your truth. Heard a story about a man who was uh, fired up for Jesus, and he, he had his Bible, and it was early in the morning, he had a cup of coffee, he says, God, I'm going to open the Bible today, and every, anything, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. And, and so he's, he's in his prayer time, he's drinking his coffee, he's, he's kind of an immature Christian, an immature believer, but he's, he's got the right idea, he opens the Bible, and the, he reads, Judas went and hanged himself. He said, dear God. <laughs> I can't go, I'm not going to, I can't do that. Well, you just said you're going to do whatever the Bible tells you to do. You can't do that. I'm not going to do that. No, he shuts his Bible really quickly like nobody saw it. He was all by himself. He said, dear Lord, all right, Lord, I'm open again. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Opens the Bible again, and the Bible says, you go do likewise. <laughs> See, we... Uh, a humorous way of saying stop pulling truth out of context. Stop, stop saying I'm following Jesus. If you're really not following Jesus, you just, you, you're just using Jesus as a formula to get what you want. Why not wake up tomorrow morning or go to bed tonight and say, Father, I want my life to please you. What do you want from me? What, what can I do? Do you want me to work in the four, five, and six-year-olds? Do, do you want me to work in the zero, one, and two, three-year-olds? Do you want me to help, you know, in the, uh, on the mulch day? What, Lord, what do you want me to do? Our, our friend Bill Wilson says some things you don't have to pray about. The need is the call. If there's a need, that, that, that you've been called. Mm, man, shout me down. <laughs> That's a good one, right? The need is the call. And so, we, we, what, but what is truth? Well, truth's not a perception. Truth is, so because if it's a perception, I'll give you the, the flip side of that. If we make truth our, if we make perception our truth, then everything that the enemy says about you, you make real. But if we make, the, if we make truth our truth, then everything that God says about us is real. In other words, if the enemy says, you're a loser, you're a lowlife, you're a past, you can't do those things, you can say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the first and not the last. I'm a believer, and Jesus said that he'd never leave me, nor did he forsake me. He is on my side. I am joint heirs with Christ Jesus. That's truth. Why? Because that truth died for you. That truth lives for you again. And when we live and die in truth, then it doesn't matter. It's like the Jack Nicholson cliche line, best line of all time. You can't handle the truth. Yes, I can. His name is Jesus Christ. He's from Nazareth, and he died on a cross for you and me, and he lives again. He rose again so that we can have freedom in Christ Jesus. So yes, you can handle the truth, but you also have to follow the truth. So stop listening to the lies of the devil and the enemy who can do nothing but lie to you. 
That's all they can do. And if a friend is telling you something that you know is not right, you just don't receive that. Do what my wife says. When someone looks her in the eye and says, this is what I'm feeling, and it's about her, and it's derogatory, she says to herself, and sometimes to them, I don't receive that. That word's not from God. God wouldn't say that about his child. We don't... You don't look at a child and start bashing them. You look at a child and start lifting them up, start building them up, tell them how good they are. You got to pump life into them, right? Well, wouldn't God pump life into you? His word is full of truth. Yes, we have to walk in obedience. But if we let our perception lead the way, it can be faulty. It can be phony. It can be unreal. It can be unnecessary. We have to know what truth is, and we have to know who truth is, and Jesus Christ is truth. John 17 and 17, the word is truth. Psalms 119 and 60, the word is truth. When we walk in truth, now it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. Hey, I'm walking in truth. Yeah, maybe I'm a work in progress. Maybe I'm not there yet. I'm certainly not there, I know that. But I know that God knows that I'm working in my progress because I'm following his truth. My perception, and this is why you have to be careful. I'm not a pilot, never was a pilot. I like to fly, not anymore, not with the, all the problems the airlines are having, and I pray, pray for airlines. My father-in-law was a pilot, and one of the things that you don't want to do in the air is guess. You don't want to guess if the altimeter is right, and then you don't want to start making adjustments. Janie and I had a really, really good pilot friend uh, back in Iowa, and he was saying if that altimeter, I think is, that's what it is, if it's off just like one-tenth of a degree and you were flying from Omaha, Nebraska to Jacksonville, Florida, you would end up in Birmingham, Alabama just by being off one, one just little tenth of a degree. And that's sometimes us as Christ followers where perception is wrong. This is why we walk by faith and not by sight. If I'm walking by faith on a daily basis, and then I hear the voice of the Lord. If I'm walking by perception on a daily voices, a daily basis, your voice might hinder me or help me. Your voice may, but this is why we're supposed to speak life into each other. This is why we're supposed to speak truth into each other. We know that grace opens the door so that truth can be taught. And then whatever, whatever the person does with that truth, that's on them. Amen? You live or die by that same truth. We're all going to stand in judgment someday. All on our own, nobody with us. How did you handle truth? Was it real to you? How do we find truth? We find truth through the word of God. Again, not pulling things out of context, but speaking into that in a situation. Number three, he says, I am the life. So I'm the way, not a formula. I am truth, not a perception. I am the life, not self-preservation. Now again, I say that in this regard, with this disclaimer, uh, self-preservation, you should eat right. You, you should exercise. You should uh, handle yourself and your affairs properly, your financial, mental, emotional, relational, all those things. You should do the best that you should do. You, you need to be that person. But when I say self-preservation, I mean scripturally speaking, we need to be careful that we're only willing to go so far with Jesus. His way of living is our way of dying. In other words, he wants us to die to self. He wants us to die to selfish ambition. He wants us to die to selfish cause. He wants us to die to selfish prayers. Father, how can I pray? 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to make sure that we understand within ourselves that we're dying daily. We're picking up our cross, we're following Christ. Yeah, but how about going through this situation or this turmoil or this, this existence? You, I've spoken before of my uh, sister who, uh, when I got married, uh, a month before I got married, and I'm the youngest of eight, she moved back in because she has multiple sclerosis. So she's had it for 42 years. She's been on a feeding tube for the last 11 years. She can't walk. She can't sit up. She, she can't see out of one eye, and you or I couldn't have an audible conversation with her because we would not know what she's saying. Yet she is the most joyful person you're going to meet. Because the joy of the Lord is her strength. There's a long suffering involved in her life that some of us will never get. But she died out to her life a long time ago. And so I'm not suggesting that her suffering and pain is, is, is God inspired. I'm just saying whatever the enemy meant for evil, uh, it turned around and worked for good on God's behalf. And so she's a living testimony of what God can do when we decide, I'm dying out to my life, I'm now living for you, Christ Jesus. When I decide to live for Christ, my emotions, my mannerisms, my goals, my achievements mean a lot less unless they're done in recognition and glory of God. Can you say amen? Now, this is a tough one on a spring morning and when it's cold outside and you got up early to come to church. Pastor wants me to die. No, God wants you to die. And it's important that we do die out. If we can die out, then we can live. In fact, the, a quote I read a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was so cool, I put it on my phone. Love is a weapon. Listen to this. Love is a weapon. You can either finish your life or you can finish your race. You can finish your cause. And I think sometimes we live in a self-preservation we want to protect those things that we have. Listen, we're all natural-born protectors. Uh, back mama bear in a corner, and you'll have a fight of your life on your hands. Can you say amen? The mama bears are going to protect their kids. They should. But at the same time, life preservation is not totally scriptural. I'm going to give my life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. God, you do with us whatever you have. We're going to give Grace Church over to the Lord Jesus Christ. God, you give, do do it, Grace Church, whatever you have. We're going to give Hickory over to the Lord Jesus Christ. God, you give Hickory, you do whatever you need to. We're going to give the world over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have to start living that way. We have to start living out the love that he has given us. We don't have this scripture, but a good friend uh, this morning reminded me of this one. Let me read it to you. It's out of Galatians 2 and 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How beautiful is that? We quote it, but sometimes we don't necessarily live it. And so my challenge you today, church, is that if Jesus is the way, don't make him a formula. Just follow him. And it's really easy to follow people. I don't mind following people. In fact, I don't think you can be a really good leader unless you're first a good follower. 
Jesus was a good follower because he followed the words of his father. His disciples, for the most part, were good followers because they took this gospel and preached it, and we're still preaching it 2,000 years later. We know that he's truth because every word that Jesus said, in fact, in Numbers, the 23rd chapter, the Bible says he's not a man that he could lie. He can't, whatever he speaks, Isaiah 55 says, you speak it, it will not return void. It will come back with the purpose that you've caused it to serve. Your ways are so much higher than our ways. So if God's ways are higher than our ways, if his word speaks and it becomes truth, why don't we just line up and follow what he says? Why don't we line up and follow what he does? And if he says, hey, die out daily, pick up your cross, follow me. This is the whole uh, compass of what we're talking about today. Just do that. Then with everything, and now you don't, you may, you may not be able to go cold turkey on it. You may have to just do a process one piece at a time. The Lord knows your heart and he knows you're trying. And as long as you're trying, he will continue to walk that through. Let's go to Revelations 11. We're going to read 7 through 12. And then the worship team will We'll come back and we'll sing. Now a war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. About, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. I believe, by the way, this war has already taken place. This is prophecy, but it's prophetic for us. It's already taken place in the heavenlies. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers have been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. As the worship team comes back, leave that scripture up there. I'll expound on it uh, briefly. I think throughout Scripture, you'll see in Exodus 3, verses 7 and 8, you'll see in this Scripture in Revelations, you'll see in John, the 14th chapter, that Jesus doesn't just say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life one time. He rehearses it throughout time. And we learn this throughout Scripture. And in this particular Scripture, uh, kind of a finality points out. So he says, and they have conquered, or King James says, they have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus. Jesus is the way. So there we are, the way right there. He says, I am the way. He's showing us how to live a victorious life. He's showing us how to live a life that is powerful just by following and just by believing. So the blood of the lamb, the way, okay? And by the word of their testimony, this is the word Jesus again, his truth, all right? And so we see here, I am the way, I am the truth. Jesus is saying right here that if you follow me, the lamb, and if you believe my word, you'll have a testimony. Your testimony is only good because of the righteous blood of Jesus Christ over yourself, okay? And so the, Jesus died. You have a sprinkle of his blood on you. Jehovah Sidkenu, Jesus is. The Lord is righteous, okay? And so that's our righteousness. That becomes our testimony. And then we always say that. This is a powerful thing. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. But we always leave out the third part. For they loved not, not their lives, even unto death. But what does that mean? Well, they were martyrs. 
They were witnessers. They, they witnessed for the gospel and the term witness in the New Testament in the first century, that literally means they were martyrs. Stand with me, if you will. I'm not asking you to go out into the streets of your city today and become a martyr. I'm saying if you go out into your streets of your city today and you love not your life, you've laid it down like Jesus did, that you've picked up his life because you're more abundant in his life, you were crucified with him at the cross. You don't have to be crucified, but in spirit, we say, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And then we start to live this life of wholeness, and it becomes an overcoming power. The way you overcome the accuser of the brethren is to buy the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus speaks of it in John 14, but John speaks of it by revelation of Jesus in Revelations 12, the blood of the lamb, the way the word of the testimony, truth, and love in their lives, not even unto death, life. The, the biggest fallacy, the biggest flaw in the church today, the biggest trick of the enemy is self-preservation, that I'm going to preserve these things that I have just in case. Just in case what? So, just in case someone comes, just in case something runs out, gas prices are five dollars a gallon. I'm gonna go fill up a bunch of gas cans. What happens when they're when they run out? Well, then I'll trust God. Why not trust God now? <laughs> My father-in-law loves sugar. Loves sugar. There was a sugar shortage in the '80s, so he bought a bunch of a pallet. You know how big a like a pallet of ten-pound bags of sugar. And he put him in a cold place in the house. He must have had 30 bags, 300 pounds of sugar. I said, Jess, what are you going to do when the sugar runs out? I think I'll trust God, Mark. <laughs> and he caught himself. I got to trust God now. How do we trust God now? We let our life down. Lord, not, not my will, but your will be done. Raise your hands if you're comfortable doing so. I want to pray for you. First of all, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the way, if you don't know the lamb, if you're here in house or you're listening on, on, the, on the broadcast, you can simply accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and say, Father, I, I want to live for you. Would you please forgive me my sins? It doesn't stop there. It starts there. I recognize that your word is true, and I'm going to read your word. I'm going to dig into your read, word. I'm going to study your word. I'm going to study to show myself to prove into your word. And then, Lord, I'm going to stop loving my life and love that new life that you've given me as a child of Almighty God. And you're, you're, you're born again. You're, you're a believer. You're a Christ follower. And, Father, I pray today as you search the hearts of men and women in this congregation and those watching online, I pray, Lord, that as they make you the way, uh, Lord, that they would continue to be followers. We would all be followers. Grace Church would be followers of you, and we would recognize your word is truth and not a perception. It is really real. It's, it's not to be argued or debated. We accept it for faith that it is. And Lord, we also now work on our life. We understand that we must die, but we die in a we die to self. It's a it's a selfish death. So help us to walk, Lord, selflessly. Help us to walk humbly. Help us to walk encouragingly. Help us to walk powerfully to present your gospel to people in a dying world, Father, that they too may have life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Really good song. We're sing. Listen to the words. Sing along with us. God bless you.
joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.